All right, it's because I am at Gateway and because I'm honoring Pastor Robert this weekend, I want you to turn in your Bible to two passages, all right? Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 12. And I'm going to continue this sermon series that Pastor Robert has started, and I'm going to talk to you this weekend about open gates. The word is open gates. Now, this, this story, that I'm, this message that I'm going to share this weekend is very tender and very personal, and I'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes, okay? But I'm talking uh, this weekend to two groups of people. The first group of people, uh, the first group that I'm speaking to this weekend is the group that right now you're, you're really in a sweet spot with God. I mean, you're really hearing God's voice. God is speaking to you. You're hearing him. It seems like when you open the scriptures that it comes alive to you. When you're in worship like we were just a part of, it seems like that heaven has opened over you and your home. Things are good for you. And that's a good season to be in. And I believe the Bible says that we should be in those seasons a lot in our lives. That it should feel that way. It should feel like that the sun is on our face and the wind is at our back. And there are times like that when we all feel that way, and it's a good season to be in. There's another group that I want to talk to this weekend. It's a group that you you feel like that you're trapped and abandoned. Maybe when I was describing the first group, your mind went back to a time when you felt like you were in the first group, but not anymore. It seems like that a storm cloud suddenly gathered, like like in Texas, storms can come up pretty quickly. And it seemed like that you were in a sunny, good place. Everything was clear and bright. And suddenly, storms kind of gathered over your life. And now you find yourself feeling like you've been trapped or abandoned. It seems like everything is dark. Now, what I love about the Bible is that the Bible, when, when the Bible talks about our spiritual heroes, and the Bible is full of heroes, like men and women that are our heroes, What the Bible does not do, the Bible shows these heroes in good times and bad times. We see David defeating Goliath, and then we see David repenting for murder and adultery. We see the good part and the bad part of just about every Bible character in the Bible, right? And Peter is no exception. Peter's by by far, besides Jesus, Peter's my favorite New Testament character. But the Bible, when, when, when the Bible talks about the life of Peter... The Bible does not hide the good and the bad of Peter. The Bible shows us both sides. I want you to turn right now to Matthew chapter 16, and we're about to see one of the highlights of Peter's lives. Peter, as you know, was the first one out of the boat. Peter was the first one to really, really understand who Jesus was. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and look at verse 15. And Jesus has just had a really difficult conversation with some of his followers. In fact, some of his followers, when Jesus really began to demand that they serve and sacrifice in order to follow him, a lot of them turned and walked away from Jesus. But Peter stood there in front of all the other disciples and listen to what Jesus asked him in verse 15. He says, Jesus looked at his disciples and says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, I mean, boldly with great authority, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Would you all say that out loud with me? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Peter, the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And just a moment ago, we prayed for eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus says, Peter, you have now eyes to see. 
If you have spiritual ears to hear, if you have a spiritual mind to understand, and because of that, I've revealed myself to you, I've shown something to you that you couldn't have gotten there by yourself, but you allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and because of that, I have shown you who I am. Verse 18, and I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. Now notice, listen very carefully, most of you know this scripture, but listen to exactly what Jesus says to Peter. He says, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now notice the two things that Jesus, so Jesus is being very prophetic here. Jesus is looking at Peter, and and Peter's at the big moment. Peter's never been finer than right now. Peter's never been more like God than right now. He is alive with Jesus. And Jesus leans in and says, Peter... I'm going to build my church on people like you. It's on people like you that I'm going to build my church. Now, Peter, listen very closely to me. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Peter, it's on people like you that I'm going to build my kingdom. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's talking about things that bind him, and he's talking about gates. And up, in, up until this point in the scripture, it's funny to me that gates have not really been a problem up until this point in the scripture. I mean, have you ever seen the Bible talk about an evil gate? Why did, why did Jesus specifically say, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you? Gates. What does gates have to do with anything? Why did Jesus use that language to Peter? Peter is fully alive right now. And, and yet it seems like Jesus is being a bit of a downer here. The gates of hell, things that bind you. Fast forward to Acts chapter 12. And now a lot has happened between Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 12. Peter was, uh, you know, when Jesus said, he looked at his disciples after Matthew 16 and says, listen, guys, I'm about to go die on the cross and all of you are going to abandon me. You're all going to run for your life. Who was the guy? Peter said, now listen, all these other guys may run off and abandon you, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to stand right here by you, and whatever they do to you, they'll do to me. Well, sure enough, as soon as they came to arrest Jesus, it was Peter that pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus had to go put the ear back on the young guy. And then once Jesus was arrested, guess who took off running? All of them, including Peter. And it was Peter that stood on the outside of the gates while Jesus was being judged While Jesus was being sentenced to death, it was Peter that stood on the outskirts and three different times people said, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you the one who followed the Galilean? And three different times it was Peter who said, no, I don't know the guy. Never met the guy. I don't know who that guy is. Have no idea. And then the rooster crowed and the words of Jesus came back to Peter and Peter sat there and sobbed and wept because he had made a promise to Jesus that he had broken. Well, Jesus, when Jesus comes back after the resurrection, it was Peter that he found, and it was Peter that he sought out. And he looked at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? If you love me, go feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Tend my sheep. It was Peter 
that Jesus looked in the eye and said, Peter, listen, I forgive you for abandoning me. I forgive you for running away from me. Now, Peter, go and do what I've called you to do. Take care of my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. It was Peter that was in the upper room with that group of people. And and after a time of fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit came upon this group of people. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of them spoke in languages that they'd never spoken in. And and Tongues of fire began to settle down upon them. And it was Peter that stepped out on the ledge for the very first big sermon of the local church. And he stood out on that ledge and he says, listen, it's not, we're not drunk like some of you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but this is what's happened. This is what was prophesied in the prophet Joel that in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon men and women alike. And they're going to prophesy and proclaim the kingdom. And that day thousands of people came to Christ because it was Peter who stood there boldly proclaiming Jesus. Those were the good days for Peter, right? In Acts chapter 12, those, everything has gone horribly wrong. The local church is devastated. In Acts chapter 12, James, the brother of John, not James, the brother of Jesus, but James, the brother of John, has been murdered, executed. But he was one of the leaders of the local church in Jerusalem, and he's been executed. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Peter and John had seen a crippled man healed outside the the temple. They had seen power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. They had seen thousands of people come to Christ. And now suddenly the leaders of the local church were being picked off one by one. Herod, the evil Herod, was executing them as fast as he could arrest them. And I want you to imagine yourself at Gateway Church that you're now huddled up inside of a dark home somewhere in Jerusalem And everything you thought would happen, everything that you thought, all the great things that Jesus had promised, everything seemed dark, everything seemed desolate at this point. Leaders were being killed, people were being persecuted, and now Peter, the great apostle Peter, is in jail, and Herod is simply waiting till the end of Passover to kill him publicly too. The Peter was the bedrock, Peter was the, the, the main leader of the local church. He was the apostle, the rock. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. On this rock, Peter, I'm going to build the church. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All those words are ringing now into the ears of the believers. They're wondering if what Jesus said was really true or not. Because Peter has been arrested. Peter has been sentenced to death. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. This is what I love. But the church, his friends, his brothers and sisters, the people that loved him, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I want to stop here just for a moment. I want to tell you something about Gateway. Gateway is a praying church. I know that. It was birthed in prayer. Pastor Robert is not just a pastor who prays. Pastor Robert's a praying pastor. And I want you to understand something. There is something powerful about being a part of a praying church instead of just a church that prays. I'm a part of a praying church at New Life. All churches pray, but very few churches are praying churches. And there's something powerful that God does in the midst of a praying church. And the early church, the first church that was birthed by the Holy Spirit, was a praying church. In verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter 
was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. I want you to think back now. I want, the, I want you to let the words of Matthew chapter 16 ring in your ears as I'm telling you this story. He's standing between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. What? I like that about God. Just, just whack, wake up. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about this is how deep asleep Peter was. Now think about this. He's dying the next day, or the next. And yet the peace of God that passes all understanding had come into that prison cell with Peter. And he was sleeping good. I think he was like slobbering on the guy next to him kind of sleep good. Just kind of laid back good. Dreaming about the Sea of Galilee kind of sleep. He says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Peter, <laughs> your name is Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Peter, get up. And these chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so, and wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, and Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing, what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. In verse 10, And they passed the first and the second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. Now, let's stop here just for a moment. This is fascinating. If you have been arrested and sentenced to death, which is, so he was probably being held in a Roman garrison outside the city walls. If, by some miracle, an angel has come to your prison cell and the chains that bound you fall off your wrist and you walk out of the prison cell, the last place you want to go is back into the city. What normally would happen if a prisoner found himself suddenly freed from his prison, he would have fled to the Judean hillside. He would have fled into the desert. He would have fled away from the city. But not Peter. The angel leads him to the city gates. Now listen to this very carefully. He says they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them... By itself. How many of you have ever seen a picture or maybe visited Jerusalem and seen these gates? This is not a gate leading to your grandmother's garden. These are iron gates that are designed to keep armies outside and you inside. And it opened for them by itself and they went through it into the city. Now why do you think he had to go into the city? What's inside the city? The praying church is waiting for him inside the city. You can read the rest of the story on your own in Acts chapter 12. You know why he went into the city? Because that's where God called him. That was his assignment. That was the calling on his life was inside Jerusalem. With that praying church. 
I have come today to remind some of you that you're standing on the other side of the gate from where God has called you. And I've come tonight with a very encouraging message for some of you. That the gates of hell will not prevail against you and the calling that is on your life and on your family. And for way too long, some of you have stood on the other side of the gate, content with staying away from where God has called you to. When God has designed us to walk through the impregnable gates that the enemy has put in front of us. Gates, the enemy by its very design puts gates around us to confine us, to constrain us, to imprison us, to constrict us, to hold us back. But the gates of hell will not prevail against those who have confessed that Christ is the Lord. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Newtown, Connecticut at a church there And just a few weeks on December the 14th, you know the story that happened in Newtown, Connecticut about a year ago. On December 14th of last year, 26 people were killed inside an elementary school called Sandy Hook Elementary. 20 first graders and six teachers and staff at this school. Some of those kids attended this church that invited me to come up. And I was there just a few weeks ago. And when when I... when you drive into that area of Connecticut, you can feel the presence of the heaviness that's over that community right now. And you can imagine how deeply sad they are right now. 20 first graders killed senselessly. And I was just there. They invited me to come. I went to the outside, the gates, they've got it barricaded now, but I went to the gates of that elementary school and I just stood there and sobbed because right next to it was that fire station where the parents all gathered to find out if their kids were dead or alive and and I stood there and I talked to a couple of the firefighters that were there that day and a pastor who's some of the kids attended his church he gave me showed me it around and the reason I was invited because I have we have our own story of tragedy at New Life Church about six and a half years ago we had a gunman come on our campus and opened fire and killed two of my teenage girls in my parking lot of the church. And I understand firsthand, I know firsthand what it means to find yourself in a prison cell, a spiritual prison, wondering if it'll ever be daylight again. I'm a part of a club that nobody wants to join, I promise. And this pastor just invited me up and he said, Pastor, I just need somebody to tell me, is it going to be okay? And they're in the first year, they're in the first year of it. They're feeling the heaviness. And when I got there, all the memories of six and a half years ago flooded back to me. I remember thinking that we're always going to live in this prison cell. It's always going to be dark. The enemy has won this time. I remember after the murders on our campus, our church campus, I remember telling someone that maybe God had called. I'd only been there a hundred days when the shooting, I just left here and become a pastor there a hundred days when the shooting happened there. 
at New Life. And I remember telling Pastor Robert and Pastor Tom, maybe God called me here to be a hospice pastor, to give a once great church an honorable death. I honestly felt that way. I felt like Peter being in his prison cell, chained and bound, wondering where all the promises of God were. God, didn't you tell me that the gates of hell would not prevail against me? Did you say that whatever was bound on earth would be bound in heaven? Whatever was loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven? Where are all those promises now? Why do I feel constricted and restrained? Why does everything around me feel dark? And I stood before this congregation in Newtown and I told them my story. And I told them the story at New Life of a moment when we decided, and when we didn't have anything else to say, we didn't know what else to say. I remember us saying exactly what Peter said You are the Christ. Would you put this on the screen? I want you to look at this. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. You are the Christ. I remember that Wednesday night, Pastor Barbara was sitting on the front row and we were having this moment of worship at, at New Life. And all we could muster up, the only thing we could say, the only thing we could imagine was, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. That seemed kind of shallow and seemed kind of simple at the time, but it was all we knew to believe. And I told the people in Newtown a few weeks ago, I said, listen, right now is not the time to try to answer all the questions. Right now is the time to lean on what you really believe. And let me tell you what I know to be true. I don't know why evil things happen to good people. I can't answer all those questions, and no one can. But let me tell you what I know to be true. Christ, you are the Christ. He is Christ. He is Yeshua, the Messiah. He is the resurrected Christ. And that's what I know to be true. It's all we knew to say in our darkest hour, but it was enough. I remember our church that night when we began to sing that song, We Will Overcome by the Blood of the Lamb and the Word of Our Testimony. I remember our church kind of leaning forward. And here's the way I described it. It was like holy defiance. The enemy's not going to prevail against us. It was a moment when courage came back to us. It was a moment when hope began to invade us again. In Newtown, a few weeks ago, we stood together and I prayed over them and we sang that song together and I told them our story and you could feel the courage. I've been getting email after email after email since we needed someone to tell us that the prison cell was not our home. I had about a half dozen messages I wanted to share with you this weekend. And every time I tried to change this message, the Lord quickly told me. He said, listen, share this simple message. And maybe it's only for a handful of people sitting in this room. Maybe it's for a handful of people sitting somewhere on a campus. Or someone that's going to listen to this podcast in the next few weeks. Or someone that's watching live online. But I've got some really good news for you this weekend. Christ is the Messiah. He has been resurrected. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding for his saints. And for those of us who have called on the name of the Lord, and we have believed that he is Christ, the Savior of our lives, I've got good news for you this weekend. The gates of hell will not prevail against you or your family or your health or your marriage. 
whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In six and a half years, we've planted four churches around the U.S. We've seen, just two, week, two Sundays ago, we baptized 115 people in the 11 a.m. service, just spontaneously people come into Christ. We're seeing people that were way away from God come back to Christ by the hundreds at New Life. We just bought an apartment complex, paid cash for it, got a, a half a million dollar grant from a pagan institution to renovate it so we could bring homeless single moms off the streets with their families. And it's been paid for miraculously by God. By faith, a couple of years ago, we opened a state-of-the-art women's clinic to take care of the poorest women in our city. The state of Colorado, which is not known for its tendencies to bless churches, just gave us a gigantic donation to take care of these women in our city because they saw us giving the love of Jesus to the poorest women in our city. And, And unbelievers are funding it, funding what God's doing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you these stories because I, I know what it feels like to feel like I'm in a prison cell. I know what it feels like to feel that God is a long way away. And I know this sounds so simple. But there's going to be times when all you can utter is this. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. And that's where some of you are right now, where the only thing I can tell you this weekend is to cry out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That day when Peter, when that came out of Peter by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's when Jesus made a promise to him. That was not, you didn't believe that because some pastor told you. Peter, you didn't believe that because you read it somewhere. Peter, you didn't believe that because your parents told you that. Peter, you believe that because the Holy Spirit came and you heard it for yourself. And now you're proclaiming it. And Jesus looked at him one day and said, then Peter, one day you're going to find yourself in a prison. And it's going to look really dark. But Peter, the gates that were meant to constrain you, to confine you, to restrict you, They're not going to prevail against you. Listen, gateway, lean in just for a minute. Listen to me. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. Christ is the Lord. On this first weekend of Advent, it's on the church calendar, this is the first Sunday of Advent. You know what that's, Advent's meant to teach us to wait and to anticipate the arrival of Jesus. The next four Sundays are are meant to build into us an anticipation that Jesus has come, the promised Messiah is about to come in a remote outpost in Bethlehem where nobody thought he would arrive to a scared teenage girl named Mary where everything seemed dark, where the Romans had occupied and dominated into a very dark place. The light has come. And his name is Jesus. On this first Sunday of Advent, this first weekend of Advent, I want to pray over you tonight. Would you let me pray over you right now? Would you just close your eyes let me pray over you? Father, we're so thankful and we're so grateful 
that you said that when we would find ourselves in the darkest places, he said in those moments where we feel dark and alone and confined and constrained and restricted and abandoned, Father, you said you would break in right then and show us who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are Emmanuel, God living among his people through Jesus. And Father, we anticipate, we wait patiently, we anticipate your arrival into our life today. For those, Lord, who the sun is in their face and the wind is at their back, I pray right now in these moments when they're on the mountaintop that the revelation of Jesus would come to them in a fresh new way. Father, I pray in our, in our times of abundance and success that we would not forget you. And for those in this room, those listening online, those who are listening to this by podcast years from now, I pray right now in Jesus' name that if they are in a place that feels like a prison, I pray that they would hear the word of the Lord to them today. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, for that we are so very grateful and so very thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. I was 19 years old when I gave my life to the Lord, and everything changed. I didn't have any desire to go back to that old life. I wanted to walk with the Lord and learn more about Him. And some people helped me to learn the Bible and to learn how to pray and to learn about my new life in Christ. And that's what we want to do for you. I am so excited that you've given your life to the Lord. He's forgiven all of your sins, and you're on your way to heaven. But we need to learn some things now about the Bible, about prayer, about some basics of the Christian life so that you can be victorious and live for the Lord like I know you want to. So we've designed a class called Fresh Start. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this class because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord now. I love you and I'm so proud of you.